0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored. My name's Amy Clark. I'm the senior editor at Adore Beauty. And today I am bringing you an amazing interview for a bonus episode. I came away from this interview really with kind of a changed perspective on my body, my appearance, you know, what's actually important. And I know that kind of sounds a little bit wacky to say. Let me now actually tell you who today's guest is. Her name is Jess Quinn. There's a good chance you'll recognize Jess's face because she is a New Zealand model and she's fronted a lot of campaigns for brands right here in Australia as well. She's also a social media influencer, but most importantly, she's an inclusivity activist and a differently abled body activist. Head to Jess's Instagram and you'll see in her bio, it says showing cancer who's boss since 2001. I'm going to let Jess tell you about her story, but I want to say that this conversation is basically, I feel like it's essential listening for anyone who criticizes their body, looks at their body and wishes that it could be changed or looks a different way. Um, And I hope that you will really change your perspective on the way that you see yourself. So enjoy. Jess welcome to Beauty IQ Uncensored.
1: Thanks for having me I'm stoked to be here.
0: (laughs) Yeah I'm so looking forward to our chat. I'd love to start off let's dive right in. Can you tell us a bit about
1: your story and what happened with your leg? Yeah totally um So I had a pretty normal childhood right up until I was eight, and I was outside one day playing on a soccer ball, just kicking it around, and then I thought I would show off and try balance on a soccer ball, and I fell off, and I ended up fracturing my femur bone, which is the strongest bone in your body. And a long story short, I was rushed into hospital, had surgery, did all the things. Um, they put me in plaster as you do when you break your bone, and then about four months later, they realized things are pretty abnormal in the way that it wasn't healing. Um, and the of pain that I was in and they did a whole lot of tests and they realized I had an osteosarcoma which is bone cancer in my femur bone which is what it actually caused it to break in the first place and from there things happened like crazy quick I all of a sudden was just living this um whole nother life really I was hospital was home and I was having chemotherapy and I was having all these surgeries and needles being poked at me from all sorts of directions and my hair fell out and yeah I went through probably nine months of that before they decided to amputate my leg but I had a really rare amputation which made life even harder than it would have been um, otherwise so Yeah, that was a whirlwind of my life. So my surgery was a month before my ninth birthday. And then I basically had to learn how to navigate life in a new body, if you like. And I don't really remember life prior to that. There there was eight years that I do not recall. Um but that's pretty much what I remember.
0: Yeah. And then now, you know, part of your job, I guess, is being um, you know, you're a model, um, you're a you know, disability activist and influencer, if you will. And so I guess like a large part of what you do for work now is to do with beauty or the way we look did losing your leg at such a young age did that you know how did that affect the way that you felt about the way that you look you know about how you feel beautiful
1: yeah i think for me it definitely didn't change anything if you like because i didn't even know who i was to have something to to change but it definitely defined my life and how i relate to beauty and how i relate to my body and even just who I am as a person because one of the worst things imaginable happened to me before I even kind of knew anything else. So it definitely defined a lot for me and I – I went through different stages and a lot, again, I probably don't remember, but you know, initially after losing my leg, I just wanted to get back to life. I was like, I just want to live my life. I want to go to birthday parties with my friends. I want to play outside. Like I didn't care what I looked like. My leg looks so wacky and unusual. It's probably one of the rarest, most unusual surgeries to wrap your head around and I didn't even care I just wanted to get back to life because I'd missed out on so much of that and I nearly lost it as well and then I reached my teenage years which is I guess the pivotal point for most of us when we start to I guess discover ourselves and judge ourselves and compare ourselves and get caught up in what we look like and I was no different but I was also had the added pressure of realizing I looked really different from anyone else. So that definitely, I guess, changed my relationship or defined my relationship with beauty because I didn't see myself anywhere. But I wasn't, although I did have a couple of years of a really rough period with body image and understanding how I fit into the world, if you like. I wasn't never someone who, you know, I want to look like this celebrity or I want to do this. I never was caught up in that world, but I think I've done a lot of, I guess, thinking about it in recent times. I think maybe it comes from a place of knowing I never would fit into that mold, even if I tried. Like there, I could look at a celebrity and be like, well, she's got two legs and has looks nothing like me, therefore I'm never going to fit into that, so why will I try to achieve that kind of form of beauty? So part of me wonders if that was my relationship with it, but also I think... I experienced such a confronting thing at such a young age. I guess my abilities and my life was nearly taken from me. So caring about what i looked like was just probably the most minor thing i just didn't care but yeah obviously it's definitely defined my relationship with beauty and i think it's a large part about as you touched on um it's a large part about what i do i kind of tell my story for a living and i i realized i actually did a campaign probably 4 years ago with my modeling agency in LA which was we called it wear the damn shorts because i didn't wear shorts for 8 years of my life i wanted to hide my body because i had a weird leg And I thought I was reasonably um, unique in that, in the way that I I hid away. And then I realized at the shoot, there was a whole lot of us that that hadn't worn shorts for a period of our life because we were ashamed of our legs. And all of these other beautiful women had both of their legs. They just didn't like the size or the shape or the color or a scar they had. And it was in that moment that I realized that I grew up feeling different, but I wasn't alone in that. Like I was unique in my own differences, but I wasn't unique in having differences. And I think that's the moment in my life where I kind of I realized that we all need to talk about this more, you know, we all grow up with these societal pressures of having to look a certain way to be a certain way with beauty and everything. And I think that's when I started to want to want to challenge that. And I have no idea if I answered your question at all. um.
0: (laughs) You did, you did. I just, I didn't want to interrupt your flow. The part about that example that you give this campaign that you worked on and not wearing shorts like that to me is such like a penny dropping kind of moment because like I'm 100% that woman who doesn't wear shorts because of, you know, I don't like the way that my legs look into relation to how we think legs should look. You know, if you've got Mm -hmm. spider veins or cellulite, which is, we all have it and it's so normal, but we (laughs) grow up thinking that it's not normal and that it's something to get rid of. Stretch marks, like you know, all these things. And then to compare that to, to you, who your reason for not wanting to wear shorts is because, to put it bluntly, you don't have one leg and i have two legs how could i possibly you know not wear shorts like it's 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 just like yeah my mind yeah. is just like spinning now anyways <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's so true and we all we all do but i mean there's two sides to that where you can be like, and that's one of my messages is be grateful for your legs, you know, they're made to take us places, not to be picked, and, put, picked apart in a mirror, you know, but then there's also the other side of it that we've grown up in this world where we're told that, you know, we should look a certain way and even if we're not told it with through voice, we're told it through subconscious messaging and... You know, everyone's kind of mountain, if you like, is is as big to them as it is to someone, as it is to someone else. You know, we can't compare just because you have two legs. Like your insecurities are still valid. Um, they're as big to you as mine are to me. You know, and I think that that's really important to remember. But, um, yeah, I I still think we should all just wear the damn shorts. Yes, quite frankly. wear the bloody <laughs>
0: shorts. Life's too short, and also. It's too hot. Like we don't. It's way too hot. To, we don't need to be sweating unnecessarily. Moving on to a bit of a, like a, a lighter topic, I have to ask you. Obviously, this is a beauty podcast. I have to ask you because. <laughs> (laughs) You actually did something beauty related that I've been tossing up and I know a lot of people have been tossing this up in lockdown, which is getting a haircut and getting this kind of curtain fringe. Yes. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. Was that like a, was that a moment deciding to do that? It was
1: a moment. (laughs) And right now you wouldn't know because I'm on greasy hair day, so it slipped back. Um, (laughs) But. Yeah, it was. I'm a I'm a no haircut girl. I'm one of those. I hate being at the hair salon, like sitting there for hours. It drives me crazy. And
0: also, I will say, there's nothing like nothing worse than when they've just. I love getting my hair washed at the salon when they do the scalp, but when you yeah. come back to the chair and you've got the gown <laughs> and your hair is slicked back wet, I just feel like I've ne- I never look more unattractive then in that moment no is this
1: like a is this a thing like it's like no one talks about this like i look in the mirror and i'm like am I showing my true self or yes. like, is something going on? Like, do they do something in their mirrors? Like, I look up and I'm like, I'm not making eye contact with it. mirror. I know. It's,
0: it's, <laughs> yeah, it's very confronting. And then you sit there and you just hope that at the end it turns out It fine. gets better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for anyone who's been thinking about getting a curtain fringe, what products have you been using or how has it kind of worked into your day-to-day routine?
1: Yeah, well, firstly, do it if anyone's contemplating. <laughs> I came out of the end of a really kind of rough couple of years and i just needed a change so i got some bangs um and i think that was after the first lockdown in new zealand i got bangs and then recently i actually cut my hair off and i've yes. always had really long it hair looks
0: amazing
1: oh thanks i'm so stoked with that because i just like it's low maintenance and it's great And I said to my hairdresser, I said to him, I was like, I really want bangs, but I just, I can't do high maintenance. Like, I'm just not someone who, I'm not good with hair. I don't know how to use hair products. Like, I swear I put hair product in and it turns to like clay. Like, I'm just (laughs) not good with that stuff. So I'm like, I really want a hairstyle that I can do low maintenance. And so he managed to, I think the key was getting them cut not too short so that they could be kind of pulled back or whatever it was. Um. Sort to style I literally I wash my hair probably every two days and then when I wash it I just obviously towel it to dry it and then I kind of brush it down like it's a straight fringe and then I hair dry that part and then I but before I do that I put my middle parting there so that it kind of sits well. And then once my whole head's dry, I brush it all back and then you just kind of let it fall down your face. I don't know if that made a very good description. Every now <laughs> and again, I use like a bit of sea salt spray and I'll smush it in there. But yeah, I think with bangs and I think that's the good thing about them. I think less is more. I think when, because because they're around your face, the more product you put in, you know, it's probably going to get in your skin and all of that kind of stuff. So I found I haven't needed to style them. Like I don't, um tong them i don't do anything so i think bangs are good yeah
0: well that sounds to me like it speaks to the power of a really good haircut because yeah. you know like there's i i'm kind of triggered by mention of fringes because of like my year seven <laughs> fringe that you know it kind of had cow yeah. and i was forever straightening it and it just didn't look you know very like zoe de chanel or like who you know yes. celebrities <laughs> that had this very um relaxed fringe but having like you said being upfront with your hairdresser, like, look, I'm going to be real with you, like I'm not yep. going to be doing, I'm not going to be curling, I'm not going to be straightening and having them cut, yeah, the cut to work for you rather than you having to work hard for the cut, I think.
1: Totally.
0: Yes, exactly. Yep, I'm
1: so on board with that. <laughs>
0: and um, <laughs> I would love to know as well, so one of the things I love about following you on Instagram is that, you know, you – have been so open and as you say part of your job now is putting yourself out there and sharing your story but you're also you know really like real and raw about the reality of what life is like when you wear a prosthetic I would love mm-hmm. to know about um for anyone else that might wear a prosthetic that's listening you know how do you mm-hmm. care for the skin you know around your um, knee is it yep. the, the knee <laughs> knee slash heel and I mean Probably first, it might be good to explain that part of your body, what happened with the operation there.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, For anyone listening, I recommend as I speak to pull up Google and just Google rotation plasty because there's nothing better than a visual. Or there's a recent um, Grey's Anatomy episode, I think it was season 15 maybe, on the surgery. So I highly recommend. So there's some homework. (laughs) Yeah, you need to wrap your head around it because I'm going to explain it and your head's just going to explode in one second. But So basically... Because of the nature of the the cancer that I had, I had to have a surgery, which I was actually the first in New Zealand to have it done. It's super rare, but they amputated, which means they cut right below my knee and really high into my hip. So just kind of at the top of my femur bone, got rid of the, I guess, my thigh and knee area, and then they rotated the good part that I had left, which was my knee downwards, including my foot, and they rotated that 180 degrees around and attached that at my hips. So the top of my calf, if you like, is my is attached to my hip and my, um, even I get confused, <laughs> my heel looks like my knee, if you like. And if you imagine moving your foot right now, I move mine like that, but backwards, which allows kind of like a knee movement
0: yeah which is why I called it and I here you call it your kneel your <laughs> yeah. knee heel but I can you know I can only imagine um wearing any sort of prosthetic mm-hmm. takes a toll on that joint the skin around that area you know inflammation swelling like all of that kind of stuff so how do you you know keep take care
1: of that skin to I guess make it as comfortable as possible totally and I think it's been really interesting to navigate because of how rare the surgery is most things you'll find on amputees and on how to look after a prosthetic or a stump is what they would usually call it is for people who have a stump if you like whereas I have a foot which makes absolutely no sense so I'm like do I research more like podiatry and how to look after a foot or am I researching like an amputee kind of stuff so I've just kind of trialed and errored for myself and I'm really lucky that throughout most of my life until the last couple of years I've had pretty much no issues but the last couple of years I had some unexpected pretty horrific swelling for two years and it was actually through that process which is like a lot of us we learn how to look after our skin when we get bad acne or whatever it is like it takes getting something bad for us to learn how to look after it but I learned how to look after this leg so I do regular massage with um, an ointment and I I sleep with a compression sock on. I do a lot of hot, cold stuff. So I, in the morning, I have my normal hot shower. But then at the end of my shower, I put cold on it. And so just little things like that. I, I'm someone who um, has as many natural things as possible. I don't like any kind of unnecessary chemicals. So I stay away from that. And I treat it like a foot as best I can, except it's a foot that lives inside of a leg. <laughs> um, so it gets pretty sweaty and it's not not the best. So I, you know, I shower a couple times a day and all of that kind of stuff just to look after it. But, yeah, I keep it as low maintenance as I can, um, much like my fringe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I pretty much, um, yeah, do the best I can with, with what I have.
0: Yeah, and I saw um, that you posted once about using like a, a cabbage leaf. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I know that actually like a lot of women after giving birth, for example, they might yes. do the same thing for their boobs, like when the milk's yep. coming in. So do you, is that something that's kind of like for, for
1: inflammation? Yeah. So that was in the past two years, like any kind of healing journey. If nothing's getting better, you get to a point where you'll try absolutely anything. And I'm lucky I have a community of people who gives me ideas. And I think a lot of people had experienced that with their breasts. It's like the, I think it's something to do with the cabbage. And as you say, the inflammation, there's something in that so I was at a point where I was stuck in bed I couldn't put my leg on my prosthetic on because the swelling was too bad and I was like I'll try anything right now so I literally glad wrapped on a um, cabbage leaf to my foot Um, I don't know if it did anything to this day (laughs) because my swelling didn't really get better but to be honest nothing seemed to help it so for me it wasn't great but I must say ice really helps me a lot Um, and ice is also something I will use on a pimple so it's just that kind of inflammatory thing and I have a face roller like an ice roller that I use a lot which I love for my face and I'd use that on my leg every now and again so ice is probably the only thing that helped but and time I'm lucky it's just after two years started to heal itself which is amazing but I don't know if the cabbage cabbage (laughs) worked but apparently it's great on your boobs yeah
0: and um you know you said that um it has been a hard two years and so where are you at now like with
1: everything and how are you going yeah I'm doing really good in the past as of the past probably two months. So. Bit of context, the my right leg, which is my um, prosthetic side, that just completely started to swell out of nowhere. And unlike anyone else, if a body part swells, it's just a swollen body part, which isn't ideal. But for me, when it was my foot that goes inside my prosthetic, my knee, when it's that that's swelling, unfortunately I actually can't put on my legs so that was two years of hell if you like and at the same time simultaneously my left leg which is my good leg and I rely on that for everything it also had a I had to Dancing with the Stars and I I really ruined my leg during that process because I relied on it so much so yeah over the past two years I haven't had a good leg which has been really tough but as of the past two months, it's really gotten a lot better. I'm actually starting to get to the point where I can move again. I'm a really active person naturally and for the past two years I've pretty much been on on the couch for the most part. So yeah, I'm slowly getting back there. My swelling is almost a hundred percent and my my groin injury is getting a lot better. So I feel like I'm I'm getting half of a good leg back which was amazing
0: oh that's so great to hear <laughs> people say oh you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger or you're we're always kind of told to come out with this some kind of silver lining that's come out from it have you felt like that that's been the case for you or you Or you've just really
1: leaned into like actually this is shit <laughs> 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 I, um, I've um i gone through waves in my life I'd say for the most part I even got to the point before this last couple of years of, of hell where I I would say in interviews And I meant it for sure That I actually wouldn't change what I went through Because of all the people I've been able to meet The experiences I've been able, able to have And the conversations that it's kind of brought into my life And I as as hard as it is Every single day I love that And I love what I get to be able to do But then over the last two years reality hit And I was like for the first time in my life, I don't call myself disabled because to me, I don't have a lack of ability. I am differently abled and I think we're all differently abled. But for me, for the first time in my kind of new life, if you like, of having a disability, I actually felt disabled by what, I, what I'd what i been through because I couldn't actually do the things that I was able to do before. So that was really challenging. And so in that moment, I thought, you know, what doesn't kill you does, sometimes maybe doesn't make you stronger. <laughs> it makes you really, really angry. But I, I do think overall um, that that saying is pretty true. I think going through something so massive at such a young age, it's definitely changed my outlook on life and my perception of, of living I guess and I'm I'm really grateful for that outlook but I think there's two minds of that there is I think adversity does give you this kind of strength and and tenacity that that is amazing but then sometimes it's also okay to just wallow in and this is actually you know like and I think that that's okay I think there's a real pressure like all of this this fakeness on social media, there's also this pressure at the moment to just be positive and to be happy. And I'm like, I think that's great. Yeah, be grateful, be, you know, all these kind of things. And I think that's awesome. Be grateful, be happy, but also don't feel guilty if you don't in in a moment. You know, my kind of, life motto if you like is feel whatever you're feeling just don't unpack and live there so right now I'm I'm not feeling the best but that's fine but you know as long as I don't stay in that mindset and I'm able to get out of it then then that's cool so that's kind of how I look at life if you like
0: I really love that saying um I want to ask as well about in the usual discourse around diversity and inclusion we talk about you know, skin tone, body size, stretch marks, cellulite, and all of that kind of stuff. So do you feel as a differently abled person in 2020, like do you think, do you feel included in that kind of body diversity conversation or do you think there's
1: more work to be done? I think both. I kind of, like I touched on at the beginning with the comparison to celebrities, I'm not someone who's ever felt felt sorry for myself for not being a part of a picture because I kind of just didn't expect to be a part of the picture. Um, <laughs> but then I realized that I think, I think we can all sit here and cry that we weren't represented, but I think you actually need to stand up and put yourself in that environment, you know? Not not that everyone has to be a model, but, I mean, you have to stand up and be like, hey, I've got a voice and I want to be heard as well, and I think that's how we create change. Um, I think sitting here and, and wallowing over all of our differences and not being represented, I think... That's all well and good, but I think we actually, as I said, have to stand up and and ask to be seen or or put ourselves out there to be seen. I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where every single person is being represented because every single person is so, so different. But I hope we get to a place, which I think we're getting to, where young people can grow up and see that there is, this world is made up of a lot of differences so that every campaign and billboard and TV show and movie doesn't just have the same looking people. Will we get to a place where every disability, every disease, every syndrome, every body is represented? I don't know because there's so much difference. Um, but I hope that we're heading towards a place where we're normalizing different, which is kind of my main mission My main mission in life. Um, so, yeah, I think we're getting there. But, you know, I look towards some brands and I'm like, oh, done. We've, we've, we've done it. We've achieved what we want to achieve. And then I look to the kind of to the right and I'm like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> we've got so far to go. Yeah. So I think, um, I think both. But, yeah, definitely I think if you want to be seen, then then stand up, right, or use your voice. So, yeah, I hope we can keep keep doing that. So,
0: finally, the last question that I wanted to ask you, you know, that I feel is going to resonate with people is, you know, I guess to anyone – who might be listening, you know, myself included, who ever, you know, makes negative comments about their body or things that we'd like to change. Like what's your message to that person, you know, that might be able to help them maybe see their body in a different way?
1: Totally. I think my biggest thing is is trying to find a way to be, Happy and comfortable in your body, regardless of what it looks like. I think looking at our bodies as an object and something to be picked apart is such a thing that we've been taught to do. And I think what's most important and like personally for me I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like oh I wasted so much time just picking myself apart or missing out on opportunities or times with my friends and family because I wasn't happy in who I was when what's actually important is what my body can do and how it can move and what I'm able to achieve in that body and the people I can touch and all of that kind of stuff so I think it's trying to find things that make you appreciate your body for how it, how it moves, which is why, you know, exercise is really important. But if you're looking at exercise in a way to lose weight or to reduce cellulite or whatever it might be, then exercise isn't important. Exercise is amazing because you can appreciate that your body, you've got two legs maybe, or you've got one and you're still able to move your body, you know? So yeah, I think that's kind of my main thing. I actually, just as you were asking that question, pulled up a quote and I'm going to read it because it's one of my favorite quotes. It's by Ruby... Cower, I think is how you say the last name. I'm really sorry if I butchered that. Um, but it's one of my favorite quotes and it says, I reduced my body to aesthetics, forgot the work it did to keep me alive with every beat and breath, declared it a grand failure for not looking like theirs. Search everywhere for a miracle, foolish enough to not realize I was living in one. And I think that quote is just amazing. And I hope that everyone look it up, save it, refer to it when you're looking in the mirror and you're just having a bad day. Um, because I think... It's so true that we're all like just living in an amazing body, you know, yet we still pull it apart for, for what, you know?
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast. I've really taken a lot away from this chat. So thank
1: you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored. If you love the show, if you love us, please do go into your, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. Tell all your friends and otherwise I will speak to you next time. Bye.